Hello everybody, this is the eighth sermon in our series looking at the book of Philippians. The title for our series is How to Follow Christ in a Challenging World. And the advice that we're going to get today is to keep pressing on. The passage we're looking at is Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 through to verse 1 of chapter 4. I'm sure that many of us at some stage in our lives would have tried to teach a child how to ride a bike. If not, we would have at least watched the process take place or remember it from being the learner ourselves. The child wibbles and wobbles along. As they feel themselves tilting to one side, they overcompensate and veer towards the other. As they feel themselves struggling to balance, their instinctive reaction is to stop pedalling and slow down, which of course makes matters worse. Soon they are on the floor with grazed knees and a howl of discontent. It takes time for a child to realise that stability on a bike comes with momentum. The more you turn the pedals, the stronger you press on, the more balanced you become. As you start heading forwards with confidence, you stop wobbling from side to side. It seems counterintuitive, but that is how the physics of cycling works. This is a very simple picture that I'd like us to try and hold on to as we go through our passage today. In the last verse of our reading, Paul gave the Philippians the reason that he was writing to them. He was trying to nurture them into becoming stable Christians. Verse 1 of chapter 4 said, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Throughout this series, we have been reflecting on the difficulties the young Philippian church were facing and have discovered that they were not dissimilar to some of the pressures we as Christians face today. There was increasing persecution in the land, with those in authority making rules that went against the Christian faith. There was great immorality within the city where the people lived. Okay, we might not be surrounded by pagan gods here on Isla, but the idols of money, sex and power are certainly worshipped. There was false teaching springing up, even within the church itself. It was interfering with the work of the gospel and splitting the church apart. And finally, there were great disappointments to be faced. The Philippian church had heard that their great friend and hero, Paul, was in prison. We today are still battling through this pandemic, which has made us all question our beliefs at times. So the Philippian church were in a time of struggle, and we here on Isla today have resonated a little with that feeling. And into this period of great challenge, Paul was writing with one goal. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to help them stand firm. Yet just like with a child on a bike, Paul knew that for the Philippians to become stable in their faith, they needed to create momentum. In order for them to stand firm, they needed to keep moving forwards. The key message Paul had for the Philippians in this section of the letter was for them to keep pressing on. Just listen to his urging. Press on, he says in verse 12. Strain towards what is ahead, verse 13. Press on again in verse 14. 
Like a parent teaching their child to ride a bike, Paul is urging the Philippians to keep turning the pedals of their faith. For as they do, they'll find themselves able to keep going forwards, even when on difficult terrain. Now, it's all very well us hearing Paul's command to the Philippians to press on. But what was it that he wanted them to press on into? What was the activity he wanted them to keep doing and build up momentum in? Well, he gave the Philippians their goal right at the end of last week's reading. He instructed them to live with the aim of knowing Christ more and becoming more like him. Listen again to verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul lived with one desire. He wanted to get to know Jesus more and more in prayer and worship and study. As he got to know his Lord, it would begin to inspire his actions. He would soon begin to behave like Jesus too. He would help the poor, comfort the distressed, challenge the powerful and hold out the good news of the kingdom to all that he met. Yes, that activity might get him in trouble with the authorities, but even then Paul would get to know more of Jesus, as that was the very thing that he had experienced while on earth. And whatever happened to Paul, as a result of his life of faith in Christ, he knew that resurrection to eternal life was guaranteed in the end. Paul then really did live with this one commitment. He wanted to become more like Jesus than he was the day before. That desire, that hunger, was the momentum he lived his life with. He pressed on and into Jesus. If we're being honest with ourselves, I wonder what our faith like is at the moment. Are we pressing on? Is there a momentum to our prayer life, a hunger in our Bible study, a passion to our service for the Lord? Or is our faith fairly static, even stationary? Are we just treading water, going through the same old routines rather than growing in love of Jesus? Perhaps we might even feel that we're falling backwards. The pandemic and empty churches and a lack of response from our family to our witness to them maybe left us feeling drained and lacking in confidence. We may feel that the spark of faith that we once had is going out and it shows in the amount of time that we are setting aside for things of God. However we're feeling about our faith life, today is the day to start pressing on once more, to stop wobbling around like a child on a bike and to begin to find stability again as we seek to know Jesus and become more like him. In this passage, Paul gave three bits of advice to the Philippians on how to start moving forwards in faith. And all three of them are just as relevant to us today. This then is how we're to keep pressing on in the challenging world that we live in. The first piece of advice Paul gave the Philippians was that they were to forget what was behind them, to stop wasting energy by looking over their shoulder and to start looking forwards. Listen again to verses 12 to 14. 
Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul is using the imagery of athletics, something the Philippians would have been well familiar with. Philippi was a Roman colony and the Romans loved watching races in their great arenas. Anyone who's ever run in a race knows that when you start to feel tired, the very worst thing you can do is to start looking over your shoulder. If you're leading a race but start nervously looking back, you can guarantee that your competitor will start to catch you up and come past you. Instead, the best thing to do, no matter how tired you feel, is to put your head down, keep your eyes forward and press on toward the finish line. That advice will always give you the best chance of achieving the prize you so desire. So that is the imagery Paul is using, but why is he trying to communicate by it? Well, first of all, let us be clear on the prize that is given at the end of the life of faith. The prize is not a gold medal or a Roman laurel leaf. It is eternity with God. Heavenly bliss with our Saviour and King. Nothing gets better than that. But what are the distractions in our past that might hinder us or hold us back from getting there? Well, I think Paul had two in mind as he wrote this section of the letter. First, there is his own sense of regret. Paul openly confesses that he does not know Jesus perfectly yet, and he certainly has not become fully like him. He's not already obtained all this or arrived at his goal. Even the great apostle Paul realised that he fell short at times and got things wrong. He continued to make many mistakes in his life. Now when you make a mistake you have two choices. You either allow yourself to keep dwelling on it, or you confess it, learn from it and move on. If you dwell on it, slowly but surely the sense of shame and guilt grows, sapping your confidence and energy. Lingering regret really can rob you of life. However, if you confess your sin to Jesus, you can be sure that it is forgiven by his work on the cross. You don't have to keep going over it. Once you have learnt from the ever, you can forget it and leave it behind. You can focus your energy instead on positive service of the Lord. I don't know where we were a moment ago when we thought about our faith life. But if we feel stationary or in reverse because of errors we have made, that need not be the case any longer. Let's pin our regrets to the cross and leave them there. Let's keep pressing forwards. The second thing I think Paul had in mind as he spoke about forgetting the past was that just as we're not to get trapped by our regrets, we're not to get caught up in past glories either. Do you remember last week how Paul listed all the things that used to give him confidence in his life? He wrote about his race, his good position in society, his status, his important family and friends. Paul had once been at the pinnacle of Jewish society, a man that many others looked up to. But he then said all these things were like garbage to him now. They all 
paled into insignificance when compared with knowing the risen Lord Jesus. Paul had discovered he had to forget these things that had given him confidence previously and put all his trust instead in Jesus. We today are to do the same. Let us not hanker for the past. Things are never made better by daydreaming about how they used to be. If anything, that romantic reminiscence only makes us feel their loss more keenly and gets us down even further. No matter how good your life was when you first came to faith, no matter how golden that early glow of religious fervour, the past will never be better than what is to come in the future. So let's stop looking backwards, stop wasting energy and start pressing on. This advice really will make a difference to us if we take it seriously. The second piece of advice that Paul gave the Philippians on how to inject some momentum back into their faith life was for them to surround themselves with good people. This is verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. In October 2019, Eliud Kipchoge became the first person to, in history to run a marathon in under two hours. It was an astounding achievement. The two-hour mark had been believed to be a barrier that was impossible to break. When Elliot did it, it was described as being as pioneering as humankind first walking on the moon. Kipchoge has inspired a generation of young men and women to push the limits of what they thought was possible. But what you may not know about Elliot's record was that for him to achieve it, he had an astonishing team around him. He had handpicked the 41 best distance runners in the world to act as pacemakers for him and to pass him food and fluids as he ran. Kipchoge may have the record, he may have achieved the prize he wanted, but he just could not have done it without the support of others. In the middle verses of our reading, Paul urged the Philippians to realise the same truth. In order for them to keep pressing on in the faith, through a time of great challenge, they need to surround themselves with good people. In verse 17, Paul holds himself up as a good example to them, as well as others who had lived all out for Jesus, people like Timothy and Epaphroditus, who he mentioned earlier in the letter. Now, it may seem a little strange for Paul to recommend himself here, but he was not being proud. Paul was just aware of how human beings learn to behave. We copy what we see. All human beings become like those they spend the most time with, for we naturally imitate those around us. Paul was aware that as brand new converts, the Philippians had not many other Christians around them, so his was one of the only examples they had to follow. Over the years, that would change, but as Paul wrote this letter, his testimony and experience was the best they had. And it was important that the Philippians did look to Paul, because there were plenty of bad examples out in the world that they could be distracted by instead. Last week, we saw Paul trying to deal with the false teachers that had arisen in the church, leading people astray. In verses 18 and 19, Paul warns the Philippians about them again. They had to stay well clear. 
Paul writes this warning with tears in his eyes, for he knew well the damage and the division that bad people in the church can cause. Listen again. For I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, their mind is set on earthly things. We all know how easy it is to fall in with the wrong crowd. Perhaps we've done it in our lives growing up, perhaps even more than once. Knowing the temptation, Paul tried to expose the truth about the people who were leading the Philippians astray so that their enticements would be less alluring. These people lived as enemies of the cross. They were working against Jesus. Their destiny is destruction. They may seem to have everything now, but one day they'll have nothing. Their God is their stomach. If you pay attention, you'll see they're never truly satisfied, because only God can do that for you. Their glory is their shame. They boast about awful things, and one day they'll be judged for them. Their mind is on earthly things. They may seem to be wise, But actually, they've lost sight of the truth. They're spiritually blind, deaf and dead. And so will you be before long if you follow them. Paul's message really couldn't be clearer. If we want to keep pressing on with our faith, if we want to pass through the challenges of our world, if we want to get closer to Jesus and become more like him, we have to be very careful about who we surround ourselves with. Having nobody will leave us vulnerable. Having bad influences will lead us astray. But surround ourselves with good people and we will go on to achieve things that perhaps at one time we never thought possible. Just like Eliud Kipchoge. If we today find that our faith is static or going backwards, let us seek out the church and good Christian companions to guide us. People who will pray with us, read scripture with us, worship and serve alongside us. People who will keep us on track and heading forwards to glory. So Paul has instructed us to forget what is behind and to surround ourselves with good people. He now had one final piece of advice to give. Anticipate the finish. When I'm taking part in a running event, something like the Isla Half Marathon, I'm constantly trying to visualise the finish line. I try to anticipate the joy of crossing it, the embrace from Emily, the weight of the medal round my neck and the telling of stories from the event. Having this in my mind helps me to keep going when I'm feeling tired or I'm tempted to give up. Paul encourages the Philippians to do the same. Listen again to how he visualises the finish to the journey of faith in verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul pictures the day when the Lord Jesus returns to earth. He will come in glory and power. He will come to rescue and vindicate his people. He will come to reign forevermore. When Jesus returns, he will deal with sin and all the evil in the world that has tried to hold us back on our journey of faith. He will also heal and restore all the damage that has been done to us on the way. He will take our physical bodies, weak and frail as they are, and transform them into resurrection bodies fit for eternity. 
Interestingly, Paul himself does not actually use the metaphor of a race to describe this future. Instead, he speaks of citizenship. In Paul's day, Philippi was a colony of Rome. Although being in Greece, the Philippians lived as the Romans did. The city was a little bit of Rome abroad. The promise that Rome made to its colonies was that if they ever got into trouble, the emperor would come with the might of his army to sort everything out and make peace. In the meantime, the colony were to live as an advert for the Roman way of life amongst their surroundings. As Christians, we are citizens of heaven. Our task is to try and live by the values of heaven here on earth, so all those we live amongst can see them and benefit from them. And we're to keep going with this task even when life is challenging because the promise is that one day the values of heaven will be all there is. Jesus, the King of heaven, is coming to earth to rescue the world from sin and to make peace once and for all. This is the incredible good news of the gospel. And we're to live every day with our eyes set upon it. If we anticipate God's finish, it will help keep us going in the present. So to conclude, Paul is urging us to see that a stable Christian life that holds firm amid the challenges of our world is not achieved by standing still. Like a child riding a bike, stability comes with momentum. We are then to press on in our faith, trying to get to know Jesus and to become more like him day by day. How do we continually become more like Jesus today than we were yesterday? By forgetting the things in the past that hold us back, by surrounding ourselves with good people, and by anticipating the glorious finish that God has in store for his creation and his people. May we all leave this place seeking to inject some momentum into our faith life. May we be inspired by Christ and empowered by the Spirit to make the changes we need to.